From executive producer Isaac Saul, this is Tangle. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Tangle Podcast, the place we get views from across the political spectrum, some independent thinking without all that hysterical nonsense you find everywhere else. I'm your host, Isaac Saul, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Republicans and Social Security. Before we jump in, though, I have two quick things I want to put up here at the top of the podcast. The first is a bit of sad news, tough news to share. Last week, I learned of the unexpected passing of Pierre Lipton, who is one of the founders of 1440, which is a newsletter that we have partnered with repeatedly in Tangle. 1440 is, like us, a news outlet that is after the mission of providing balanced and informative news to the masses. Pierre, who is one of their founders, was young and brilliant, and he was incredibly generous with his time with me. Despite being my junior, I sought him out for advice regularly, and on several occasions, he picked up the phone or met me for a beer when I was troubleshooting an email issue or struggling to make a major business decision or unsure about the path forward. I was devastated to hear the news of his passing, and I wanted to acknowledge his passing here and just say thank you to him. He will be missed dearly. His family has set up a GoFundMe for some of the causes that he cared about. We're going to share a link to that GoFundMe in today's episode description. I also wanted to do a quick call out to those of you who may be living in or near East Palestine, Ohio. I'm working on a Friday edition about the train that was carrying hazardous materials that derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. Given the size and scope of our mailing list now, I suspect there might be some folks who live near there or know people who do. If that sounds like you, please write in and let me know. My email address is Isaac, I-S-A-A-C, at readtangle.com. I'm hoping to find some people who are on the ground experiencing what is going on firsthand who can give me some insight for an upcoming newsletter edition. All right, that is it for our two announcements at the top of the podcast. So with that... We'll jump in today with our quick hit section. First up, U.S. fighter jets have shot down three more unidentified flying objects since downing a Chinese spy balloon last week. One was in Alaskan airspace, the second was over northern Yukon in Canada, and the third was over Lake Huron near Canada. Number two, on Sunday, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre announced that President Joe Biden intends to run for re-election in 2024. Number three, Senator John Fetterman, the Democrat from Pennsylvania, spent two days in the hospital after feeling lightheaded at a Senate Democrat retreat. Fetterman suffered a stroke last year before winning his Senate primary. He was discharged from the hospital on Friday. Number four, Representative Angie Craig, the Democrat from Minnesota, said she was assaulted in the elevator of her apartment building in Washington, D.C. There is no evidence of a politically motivated attack. Number five, the death toll from last week's twin earthquakes in Turkey and Syria has now passed 36,000 people. Survivors continue to be found in the wreckage. Some of my Republican friends want to take the economy hostage. I get it, unless I agree to their economic plans. 
All of you at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. My Republican friends, they seem shocked when I raised the plans of some of their members and their caucus to cut Social Security. For the State of the Union, Lee discussed that contentious moment and accused President Biden of lying about his party's position. During last week's State of the Union address, President Biden claimed that some Republicans want to sunset Social Security and Medicare, drawing boos and jeers from Republican members of Congress in attendance. In the weeks since, President Biden has escalated those attack lines, repeating the claim during public speeches in Florida. Republicans have continued to object, saying it's a falsehood that there are plans to get rid of Social Security and Medicare. A quick reminder, Social Security is a benefits program that serves retired Americans or those with disabilities. Working Americans pay into Social Security through income tax, and when they retire, they become eligible for a monthly stipend from the Social Security Benefits Program. In 2019, about one in five Americans were receiving Social Security benefits. Last month, Social Security recipients began receiving an 8.7% cost of living increase to match inflation, bringing the average retiree benefit to about $1,827 per month. Today, you can start receiving Social Security benefits as early as 62, although delaying your benefits until full retirement age can increase their amount. Most Americans' full retirement age for benefits is between 66 and 67 years old, depending on what year you were born. Medicare is a federal government health insurance program for people age 65 and older, as well as some younger people with certain illnesses or disabilities. Together, Social Security and Medicare account for about one-third of federal spending. Medicare's trust fund is projected to run short by 2028, and Social Security is projected to run out of money by 2034. If Social Security were to run out of money, it would trigger a 25% cut in benefits. Because they account for such a huge chunk of the budget, entitlement programs like Social Security and Medicare are strong options for potential cuts to help balance the federal budget. In 1983, President Ronald Reagan and the Democratic Congress raised the retirement age to 67 and increased taxes to help shore up Social Security funding. In 2005, President George W. Bush proposed privatizing Social Security, but abandoned the plan after his approval ratings plummeted. Social Security and Medicare are two of the most popular programs in the U.S. and deeply impact seniors, who are also the most reliable voters in elections. A recent Pew poll found that 79% of Americans said there should be no reduction in Social Security benefits. That has made it a third rail issue for many politicians who avoid proposing drastic changes to either program. President Biden has used a proposal from Senator Rick Scott, which calls for reauthorizing every federal program every five years, to say Scott hoped to sunset Social Security and Medicare. Scott's plan has drawn rebukes from fellow Republicans, including House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who have said it was not a Republican plan, but Rick Scott's plan, and that Republicans will not try to cut or reform Social Security and Medicare during upcoming debt ceiling negotiations. Today, we're going to look at some arguments about what Republicans really want to do with Social Security and Medicare and how we should approach the programs. We'll look at some opinions from the left and the right and then my take.
First up, we'll start with what the left is saying. Some on the left criticize Republicans for their thirst to cut Social Security. Others argue that we do not need to reform Social Security and Medicare, and there are innovative bipartisan ideas worth looking at. Some say Biden is just accurately presenting the real positions of many Republicans. In Bloomberg, Teresa Gillard-Ducci said Republicans are too thirsty for Social Security cuts. At President Joe Biden's State of the Union speech, congressional Republicans tried to distance themselves from plans to cut Social Security. Don't believe it, she wrote. Plenty of Republicans are determined to cut Social Security, even though 84% of Republicans and 86% of Democrats want those retirement benefits to increase. Things are already bad enough for retirees and older workers. Benefit cuts would only make them worse. Make no mistake, House Republicans want to take advantage of the debt limit vote due this spring to cut Social Security. That's behind their proposal to create a commission to explore ways to trim Social Security costs. And last week, former Vice President Mike Pence said in a private meeting that the government should partially privatize the program, which will cut benefits for most families, including those who most rely on them. Now, poverty rates among older Americans are increasing just when tens of millions of boomers are reaching their early 60s and 70s. Americans aged 55 to 64 now work significantly more hours per week than their peers in other wealthy nations, she said. I suspect House Republicans to pick up on the plan recently proposed by the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, a right-leaning Washington think tank. The CRFB would like to raise the Social Security retirement age to 70, which effectively acts as a benefit cut of about 13% to 15% for people forced out of work and into retirement way before the age of 70. The Washington Post editorial board said Social Security and Medicare do need to be reformed and soon. We applaud anyone in either party who works in good faith to help shore up the solvency of those age-old problems, whether or not they identify as fiscal hawks, the board said. Senators Bill Cassidy, the Republican from Louisiana, and Angus King, the Independent from Maine, have reportedly been talking about increasing some kind of sovereign wealth fund that would be separate from Medicare trust fund, but could create future cash flow. Senator Joe Manchin III, the Democrat from West Virginia, has expressed openness to raising the taxable wage cap for the program and perhaps creating a super committee to hash out a potential deal that could get an up or down vote on the Senate floor. These politicians take political risks to advance such ideas. Former President Donald Trump, who allowed the debt to grow by $7.8 trillion while he was in office, says that under no circumstances should Republicans vote to cut a single penny from Medicare or Social Security. Meanwhile, President Biden savaged Republicans during the 2022 midterms for trying to deny seniors the benefits he says they are owed. Conventional wisdom is that lawmakers will keep kicking the can down the road until a crisis arrives, the board said. The potential trade-offs aren't painless, but some mix of benefit reductions and tax increases is necessary. Think about raising the Medicare eligibility age to 67 to match the existing Social Security retirement age for those born in 1960 or later. Perhaps raise premiums for Medicare beneficiaries with higher incomes, and maybe reduce Social Security benefits for those with higher incomes. Many of the Trump tax cuts expire in 2025. This could be leveraged to negotiate tweaks to the payroll tax. In Slate, Jim Newell said Republicans are angry Joe Biden accurately described their plan to sunset Social Security. The sum Republicans in this case is one Rick Scott. In his 11-point plan, subpoint 7 of point 6 reads, All federal legislation sunsets in five years. If a law is worth keeping, Congress can pass it again. 
The plan doesn't single out Medicare or Social Security specifically, but these are programs that were established by federal legislation and would thus disappear under Scott's proposal unless renewed every five years, Newell wrote. Plenty of Republicans, including chairs of important committees and caucuses in the House, have been muttering about using the debt limit to force changes to Medicare and Social Security. Even before the State of the Union, though, that was unlikely to be the path they pursued in negotiations. McCarthy, for one, and Donald Trump, for another, understands that holding the global economy hostage in order to extract cuts to Medicare and Social Security would be the dumbest move in history. They would lose the policy fight, and the political damage could cost them the 2024 election. In his remarks the day before the State of the Union, McCarthy said that cuts to Medicare and Social Security are off the table for debt limit negotiations, Newell said. The one saving grace for Rick Scott? If it hadn't been his toxic plan Biden chose to highlight, it would have been someone else's. There's plenty of loose talk out there. It could have been Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson's suggestion that mandatory spending programs be subjected to annual review. It could have been Utah Senator Mike Lee's 2010 vow to phase out Social Security to pull it up from the roots and get rid of it. Biden could simply have referenced Republicans' efforts to cut Medicaid, a cornerstone of their 2017 Obamacare repeal plan, which quite nearly made it into law. All right, that is it for what the left is saying, which brings us to what the right is saying. Many on the right say there do need to be reforms, even if Biden mischaracterized Republicans' position. Some argue that no sitting Republicans are actually willing to change the programs, which is part of the problem. Others say Biden is the one who has a long track record of wanting to reform or make cuts to Social Security and Medicare. In the Wall Street Journal, Andy Biggs suggested a cap on the maximum Social Security benefit, which would be a good step forward. Though vital to addressing the national debt, getting a comprehensive reform package or any major entitlement reform through Congress will be tough. Instead, lawmakers might consider a simple but meaningful start, capping the maximum retirement benefit, Big said. A cap would put a dent in Social Security's 75-year funding gap of more than $20 trillion and send a message that government benefits to high-income retirees can't be unlimited. Social Security is often described as a safety net against poverty and old age. But if every senior simply received a benefit equal to the 2022 poverty threshold, just over $14,000 for a single retiree, and about $17,600 for couples, Social Security's $1.3 trillion annual cost for 2023 would be nearly cut in half. Social Security is expensive because it's more than a safety net. The average new retiree in 2021 received an annual benefit of nearly $21,000, 1.5 times the poverty threshold without counting their own savings, he wrote. And the highest-earning Americans receive even more than that with the maximum benefit at the normal retirement age of 67 coming in at $42,238 in 2023. This blows through any reasonable data of a safety net. It's more than three times the federal poverty threshold and about 5% higher than the median employee's salary in the United States. It's also two to three times higher than the maximum benefit paid in the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. In the Washington Examiner, Tiana Lowe said Biden must reform Social Security if he won't stand for benefit cuts. Not only is Biden arguing against a straw man here, sadly no sitting Republicans are actually pledging to cut entitlements, he is also forgetting that doing nothing is tantamount to a massive cut of Social Security benefits. Absent a major reform from Social Security, the program will become insolvent in a little more than a decade, she said. 
Upon insolvency, benefits will be slashed by 20% to 25% across the board. It's not as though the GOP's fealty to entitlements is laudable in any way. If Republicans wish to balance the budget within a decade without touching entitlements or defense spending, the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget projects Congress would need to slash 85% of the rest of the budget. Could tax hikes fill in the void of the Social Security Trust Fund once insolvency hits? Maybe, if Democrats and Republicans were comfortable with jacking up the payroll tax by 25%. The only solution to prevent the legally mandated benefit cuts of Social Security after its insolvency is meaningful reform, she said. Biden's demagoguery on the issue is ranked dishonesty, and the Republicans playing along with his priorities are just as shameful. In The Federalist, Chris Jacobs said Joe Biden has tried to cut Social Security and Medicare several times. When the president attacked lawmakers who want Medicare and Social Security to sunset, he should have begun by using the perpendicular pronoun. In July 1975, then-Senator Biden proposed legislation to terminate all provisions of law in effect on the effective date of this act, which authorized new budget authority for a period of more than four fiscal years. Similarly, when Biden claimed that if anyone tries to cut Social Security and Medicare, I will stop them, he omitted his long history of supporting proposals reducing spending on these programs. In spring 1984, Biden, along with Senators Chuck Grassley, the Republican from Iowa, and Nancy Landon Kassebaum, the Republican from Kansas, proposed an across-the-board freeze on federal spending, Jacobs said. The bill would have eliminated all cost-of-living increases in federal employee pay, as well as Social Security and Medicare benefits for fiscal year 1985. In a joint Washington Post op-ed, Biden and three other senators claimed they supported the freeze because federal deficits are a clear and present danger to our economic recovery. Voters should find Biden's behavior disqualifying, and not just because he takes the public for fools. The Medicare trustees, all members of Biden's own administration, state that the program's hospital insurance trust fund will become insolvent in 2028, he said. But Biden has yet to release any plan to avoid an insolvency scenario projected for his potential second term. Ironically enough, Biden's earlier proposals to regularly review spending programs and freeze federal spending across the board represents possible solutions to tackle our $31 trillion in accumulated debt but making difficult choices requires a level of forthrightness lacking from a president utterly beholden to his party's radical left. All right, that is it for the left and the right are saying, which brings us to my take. After the State of the Union address, we fact-checked many of Biden's claims from his speech. I gave his claim that some Republicans want to sunset Medicare and Social Security a misleading rating. Biden is right that Senator Rick Scott, one Republican, has released a proposal to reauthorize or remove all federal legislation every five years, but that proposal has been widely rebuked by the party. Biden also said my Republican friends want to take the economy hostage as part of proposing changes to Social Security, which seemed to imply this was part of the debt ceiling showdown. But Scott never said the proposal should be proposed during the debt ceiling showdown, and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has ruled out using the debt ceiling to force entitlement reform, hence the misleading but not entirely false rating. It is true that there are proposals out there to reform both programs, but those proposals aren't just coming from Republicans. They're coming from liberals, including, as seen above, the Washington Post editorial board. Anyone who is willing to engage honestly on the issue can see both Social Security and Medicare are barreling toward insolvency, which would result in the drastic cuts both sides of the aisle are saying they're against. 
Even President Barack Obama made this clear in 2011, emphasis mine, when he said that if you look at the numbers, then Medicare in particular will run out of money and we will not be able to sustain that program no matter how much taxes go up. I love the point Tiana Lowe made in her Washington Examiner piece, which was essentially that doing nothing is a cut of its own, perhaps the worst cut of all. If either program runs out of money, there will be steep consequences, and there's very little sign we can prevent that from happening without major reforms. Obviously, some people consider raising the age of Social Security or Medicare eligibility a cut, since it would remove some people's eligibility. But to me, there are some strong arguments for an age increase to be part of any attempt to reform the programs. One reason is that life expectancy has been on a long-term upward trajectory, which means Social Security will have to cover increasing years of life for more retired individuals. In 2010, the Urban Institute estimated that the full retirement age would have to increase to 73 for adults to have the same number of benefit years remaining in life today as they did in 1940. That number seems likely to increase in the next decade. At the same time, more Americans are retiring earlier and taking benefits sooner. Through a lot of lenses, both of these things, obviously, early retirement and living longer, are both good, but they can create big problems from a budgetary perspective, and they aren't problems we can solve easily. There are other good arguments, too. Older Americans are in better health now than ever. They're working less physically stressful jobs, and more of them have college degrees, which makes finding physically tolerable work, even part-time, a lot easier. Still, bumping the retirement age up a couple of years won't solve the problem on its own. That step should also come with improvements to the disability social safety net, which means some kind of cost-benefit trade-off. This is the kind of bargain Democrats and Republicans may actually be able to make together, though there doesn't seem to be nearly enough action on it right now. I'll confess I'm also intrigued by the whispers of a deal between Senator Bill Cassidy, the Republican from Louisiana, and Angus King, the independent from Maine, to create a new fund of borrowed money invested into stocks that could cover future benefits. It's not an entirely new proposal, and there are some strong arguments both for and against it. Republicans who oppose the plan make the case that it would rely on the government making smart investments in the stock market, while others worry about the federal ownership of private industry. Still, innovation here shouldn't be shunned, and new financing tactics that don't remove health insurance or benefits for millions deserve to be received by open minds. If or when an actual proposal is made public, I'll be one of many folks interested to examine its potential efficacy. For now, both sides should start with the simple step of admitting the problem. Neither program can continue on as is, and we'll be a lot better off if we find a solution before the crisis actually arrives at our door. All right, that is it for my take, which brings us to your questions answered. This one is from Andy in New York. Andy said, did you see this story about the Nord Stream pipeline and linked to Seymour Hersh's recent Substack piece and said, think you'll cover this one? So yes, Andy, I did see the story. In fact, I referenced it in our Friday edition piece where we revisited the Trump-Russia story and the media's coverage of it. For those unaware, the story is a Substack piece by Seymour Hersh, a well-known and award-winning investigative journalist alleging that the United States was behind the attack on the Nord Stream pipeline, which we covered last year. As I said on Friday, the piece is thinly sourced, with what appears to be just one anonymous person behind it. I also noted that Hirsch, now 85, has taken a lot of heat for some of his journalism he has done in the last decade. Some of his pieces have had major flaws, and he's been accused of putting out some shoddy writing. 
I asked one of my sources in the oil industry if the piece was making any waves in his world, and he responded, waves of mockery and eye rolls. That being said, I've noted from the beginning that I thought it was plausible the United States was involved, and at the very least, I hope Hershey's piece kicks up some more journalism. If you got someone to talk for the story, other journalists could too. And given we still don't have an answer, I don't think we can totally ignore his very detailed account. All right, that is it for your questions answered, which brings us to our under the radar section. Moldova's president, Maya Sandu, has alleged that Russia is trying to topple her country's leadership using foreign saboteurs. Moldova is a tiny nation on the southwest border of Ukraine. Last week, its pro-Western government resigned after months of economic turmoil and the spillover effects of the war. Sandu accepted the resignation of the prime minister and now says Russia is trying to execute a plan to keep Moldova from joining the European Union. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has also alleged intelligence revealing a plan for the destruction of Moldova. Sandu says the plan involves citizens of Russia, Montenegro, Belarus, and Serbia attempting to spark protests to change the legitimate government to an illegal government controlled by the Russian Federation. Reuters has the story, and there's a link to it in today's episode description. All right, that brings us to our numbers section. The number of retired workers who will receive Social Security benefits in 2023 is 48.6 million. The number of disabled workers who will receive Social Security benefits in 2023 is 7.6 million. The number of survivors of deceased workers who will receive Social Security benefits in 2023 is 5.9 million. The number of people aged 65 and older who receive a Social Security benefit is 9 out of 10. The estimated percentage of income that Social Security accounts for among the elderly is 30%. The number of Americans 65 and older in 2022 is 58 million. The estimated number of Americans who will be 65 and older in 2035 is 76 million. All right, and last but not least, our have a nice day section. A Minnesota teenager is getting national praise for becoming the opposite of a screenager. Isaac, great name, Ortman, has slept in his backyard for more than 1,000 nights. His outdoor journey began after the 14-year-old's father suggested he sleep outside for the weekend in the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic as something new to do instead of being stuck indoors. After two nights of camping, the Boy Scout decided to see if he could do it for an entire year. 1,000 days later, he is still outside almost every night. I'm not out there to beat any world records, he said. I'm just here having fun in my backyard. He even managed to tough it out through one night that was 38 degrees below zero in his Duluth, Minnesota hometown. If he had one wish right now, it would be for the president to ask him to camp out on the White House lawn, Isaac's dad said. Wouldn't that be neat? It would be a feel-good story for the nation. Here's to hoping this outsider can make it to the White House. Today has the story, and there's a link to it in today's episode description. All right, everybody, that is it for today's podcast. As always, if you want to support our work, please go to retangle.com slash membership and keep an ear out for tomorrow. We've got something a little special, a little different coming up for you in tomorrow's podcast. And I hope you guys enjoy it. We'll see you then. Have a good one. Peace. 
Our podcast is written by me, Isaac Saul, and edited by Zosha Warpea. Our script is edited by Sean Brady, Ari Weitzman, and Bailey Saul. Shout out to our interns, Audrey Moorhead and Watkins Kelly, and our social media manager, Magdalena Bakova, who created our podcast logo. Music for the podcast was produced by Diet75. For more from Tangle, check out our website at www.newtangle.com.